0: Welcome to the East Coast Believers Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope this inspires and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Norm. Well, uh, this has certainly become my longest series of the year. It's the How to Guide to Christianity. And If you're newer to our church, I typically do a series in about four weeks, four to five weeks is how I usually write them. This is going to be a 12-week series. And what we've done is taken the book of James. And the book of James, the New Testament, was written by by James, the half-brother of Jesus, and um, James was a pastor. What, what separates him from all the other writers of the New Testament was he was actually a pastor writing to a congregation, and Paul was an apostle, and he had an angle, and Peter had a different angle, but. James was a pastor, and he, he did something that probably the other writers didn't do as well. He got down to the real practical aspects of Christianity. I call it the how-to guide, or they're like life hacks, and how to be a successful Christian. And, and he narrows it down really to about 10 or 12 different areas, and we're wrapping it up. And I decided to do something I really haven't done a lot of times before in, in preaching is, instead of taking a topic, I thought, well, just take a book. And we'll go verse by verse and, and just go through the whole book and see what it has to say. So we've broken it down to 12 weeks. We've gone from really every verse of the book of James: James chapter one, two, three, four. And we're in James chapter five, and we only have two more weeks left of this series and not counting today. And we're getting down to the three last topics, and we're going to deal with today about the subject of prayer. And next week, when I preach next, we're going to talk about faith. Because he said prayer is just one thing, but you've got to pray the prayer of faith. And then I love how he ended it. And then he ended it this way. Boy, if there's anyone sick among you, man, we still serve a miracle work in God. So we're going to end this series on on healing and divine healing. And uh, actually, it's communion Sunday that week, and we're going to have a healing service. And uh, I just encourage you to bring anybody who's sick. And you say, well, what if they don't get healed? But what if they do? Like, that's what I'm saying is that's the kind of God that we serve, he's faithful. And so we're in James chapter 5, let me get re- starting right into this. In verse 16, a very familiar passage of scripture, he says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And I, I, I think um, a lot of us know that, that prayer does produce wonderful results, and then he said something else I think is really kind of gives us a glimpse into how he was thinking when he wrote this. He said, Elijah was, a hu- was as human as we are, yet when he prayed. And so I think we buy into the fact that prayer is effective. It produces results in our life. But can we be honest? Am I the only one that sometimes struggles in the discipline of having a consistent prayer life? Even though we know it works, and even though we know it produces, sometimes we struggle with the consist- consistency of it and being just day in and day out be praying. He, and, and what James is saying, hey, it produces wonderful results, yet you're human. I like the way the Amplified reads it. Amplified reads it like this. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much, which I think, like that's nothing new for this group, we know that prayer works and we know it accomplishes much. And then he said this when, and he I like the amplified, it just sort of amplifies this when you do it. But prayer doesn't work if you don't do it. And he's going to address this here. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and it can have tremendous power, which everyone says, Yes, I know. And then he said this: Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Then I want to break this down. With the same physical, mental, spiritual limitations and shortcomings. In other words, he was tired when he got up in the morning to pray. He was distracted when he prayed. He had his mind and other things when he maybe should have been praying. He, what James is talking about is hey, we know prayer works but we're distracted. We're, we're 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 tired, We, we struggle with the consistency of it. He said he prayed intensely for it not to rain, it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain. James deals with, and he goes right to it. James does not disappoint us today, hitting us right where it hurts. This is a grow series. This is a series that's designed to disciple you and cause you to grow. And by by design, it should be painful. It should cause us to look inward. And, And by design, this is supposed to produce change in our lives. And James does not disappoint this morning. He says, yes, we know prayer works, but we gotta do it for it to work. But we have a human nature and we have shortcomings and we have consistency issues, we have distraction issues and we have things, priority issues and so we don't pray. And so what he is saying is this, if you want the same results Elijah got, then you're gonna have to actually pray. And so, which leads us up to what we're going to share about this morning is how do I get an effective, consistent prayer life? And that's what I want to talk about. I want you to leave today with a step-by-step plan where you can overcome the issue of lack of consistency, being inconsistent in your prayer life, struggling with getting it right. I know I'm quiet because I'm preaching to the right group today. <laughs> I know you're quiet because this is hits home with us. And so here's, here's what I want to take us to in Luke chapter 11. In verse one, the disciples were talking to Jesus and uh, they saw him pray and they said, once Jesus was in a certain place praying and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples or you're praying in such a way that inspires us to wanna pray or when you pray, it doesn't seem like God is a million miles away. When you pray, it seems like you're getting results, so Lord, teach us to pray that way, and can we be honest, most of us today are praying out of obligation, we're praying out of duty, and some of us are even just praying on an emergency basis only, an as-needed basis, that's how a lot of us pray, and hey, listen, and God's glad that you're even doing that, but what James is trying to address is, well, how do you overcome this deal we Jesus, God's a million miles away or, or, or you just pray on a, an emergency basis only or an inconsistent basis. How do you overcome that? And so I want to attempt to change it. And I want to, I'm going to put a plan together for you. I'm going to give you step by step on how to do this and how it works in my life. But I want to start off with this thought. And this is sort of the thesis this morning for this message is all prayer. Taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down because this is good. All prayer has to start with relationship. All of our prayer has to be born out of a relationship relationship. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, we call it the Lord's Prayer. He said, pray like this, our Father in heaven. In other words, you, you, you have to have real relationship. Our prayer, prayer, this prayer becomes uh, a, a ritual. It's, it's a conversation with God because you, because you love him. And prayer has to be more than just a business transaction, more than just a list of needs, but prayer has to start off with relationship. Romans chapter eight, verse 15 says, so you, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. It's a conversation with God because he's your father. Do you know that's his favorite name is father? If you read the, read the rest of Romans chapter eight, it says we call him father, not just God, but dad, or actually Abba. And it, it actually, it implies such a deep relationship between a son and a father that you would crawl up in his lap. Now, I have five kids you know, and, and my little ones, they, they know how to work their father really good. Now, Dina, Dina this weekend, she's in Birmingham with our oldest daughter who's in college, and, um, and so I've had the kids since Thursday, and she comes home tonight. Can you say amen? And. Uh, just letting you know, <laughs> she's pretty amazing. I don't know how she does it all, but 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 they 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 work me so good. I mean, they crawl up on my lap, and my little eight-year-old, she just blinks her eyes and puts her lip out, and they just get whatever they want. And and you know, and, and even the older kids, they found that they figured this out too. They can come to me and they can come to me and just say, "Hey, Dad, can I have?" And it usually involves something green. And can I have? And but what. What they've learned along the way is they'll come in and say, Hey, Dad, they'll come by the office here in the middle of the week and say, Hey, Dad, how are you doing? What's going on? How's your day going? What do you want? Oh, I don't want anything. I just want to know how you're doing. And in the back of my mind, I think, You really want something? And then every once in a while, they go, No, I just want to see how you're, what are you preaching on? What's happening in your life? How's your day going? And you know at the end of that conversation, I'm like, here, here, take it all. You can have it all. <laughs> because you know, when your kids come to you and they just come because they love you, want to see how you're doing. How many of you know, it, it just is a different type of relationship than just taking. God's favorite name is Father. Real prayer, and get this, real prayer is driven by relationship, not crisis. And we, a prayer driven by crisis, you can get some results, but not the same results as a, as a relationship-based prayer. And today I want to talk about how to get effective, consistent results in your prayer life, which is really what James is saying. He says, hey, you have a human nature too, just like Elijah, but when he prayed, he got results. So if you can pray, you can get results. Luke 18, verse 1 says this. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should bring God, I always pray and never give up. Always pray. My second sort of thesis going into this is bring God into every situation. Every situation covered in prayer. And honestly, can, can we be honest that sometimes we act first and pray later? Sometimes we'll do everything else but Pray. And what Jesus is saying, hey, pray first and act later. Don't act first and pray later. In other words, prayer was never designed just to clean up your messes. It can, but that wasn't really the nature of the design of prayer. Second Chronicles in chapter 7, verse 14, God gave us this sort of challenge. He said, if, if, like I am challenging you and I am daring you, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. We all agree with that, but the discipline of it is hard. Or if you were raised in a church kind of like I was, you know, and I was horrified by prayer meetings when I first became saved, and I, I don't know, maybe you didn't have this, but, but, uh, but my parents put us in a, they got saved, and they put us in a Christian school, and I, I was raised denominational, and so, and so we went to this Christian school, they said, we're gonna pray this morning, everybody hold hands and gather in a circle. And I remember I was in ninth grade, I was horrified by that. I said, oh, hold hands and do what? And it was called circle prayer. And we just held hands and prayed in a circle. And then, my greatest fear became true, a reality. They said, we're gonna go person by person and pray. Well, I never prayed a, a, verse, a, a, a prayer out loud in my life, but I learned something that's not scriptural, but it served me well, and that's called silent prayer requests. So what do you wanna pray about? I have a silent prayer request. And so we'd say, okay. But you know, I read my Bible years later, and I found out there's no such thing as a silent prayer request ever. <laughs> Jesus said, "Ask and you shall receive." And this is the confidence we have in Him when we ask anything according to His will; He hears us. And so, no such thing as this this sort of silent prayer request But but these so I get it. It horrified me. I have to every day. I have to get in a circle of people and pray, and then we teach our kids. You know, we teach our kids little nursery rhymes that go like this, you know. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And then we're teaching our kids this. If I should die before I wake, it's no wonder your kids don't want to pray. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Like there, there's like, that's, guys, stop it. That's morbid, for a five-year-old to pray that way. If I should die before I wake, you know. come on, we gotta stop praying that way. Secretly, you might not know this, but secretly, we are a praying church, and uh, we have corporate prayer, and you might not know this, but this church is bathed in prayer, this church is, was birthed in prayer, right right now like as we speak there are a group of people in a in a room off the sanctuary here that are praying for this service right now. They're praying for you and they're praying for our worship and they're praying for my preaching and they're praying that you have a divine encounter with God today and and, uh, and, and we have prayer groups. We have groups that walk parts of the city and they just pray and we're just seeing, you know, crime is at an all time low in our city right now. I just believe it's a result of just good effective prayer and uh, like our new campus starting in Lake Nona, November 4th, I mean next Sunday night, we're going to have a corporate prayer meeting here. There's going to be one there at the same time. And they're going to go over and pray over every seat in that 700 seat auditorium. And what we know is this, that we don't do music good enough. I don't lead good enough. I can't preach good enough to change lives. But if I can get God involved in a church and I can get God involved in my life and I can get God involved in a city, it'll change it. And that's why Jesus said, if my people... If, like he's challenging you. And I think we all buy into this. And so I want to break it down and I want to give you three things that you could do that I have done in my life to get a consistent prayer life. Because we have, we're have we humans and we have tendencies. We want to sleep in. God doesn't seem like he's there sometimes. And I prayed. I didn't get the answers that I, that I wanted or I'm inconsistent. And Sunday morning, yes, I'm going to do it. But Monday comes around every day, every week and we're gonna struggle, so what do you do? Three things, number one is this. Three things I found that if I could do this 25 years ago, 28 years ago, you do this and you can get a consistent prayer life. And here it is, number one, is make an appointment, an appointment with God and keep it. Like find a time and write it down on your outlook or your schedule, put a reminder on your phone and every day, at a certain time, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna talk to God. And I, it's an appointment, it's a standing appointment that we have seven, it's just a consistent reminder in my life, and if you leave it just a chance, well, I'm gonna do it if, then it's, you're gonna struggle with it. But if you have a certain, I'm just trying to help you get, a, get consistency in your life, make an appointment with God. I love what Daniel chapter six says. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. And like, find a time in your schedule daily and make an appointment with God. We're gonna meet at this certain time. Daniel did it like I do it like I have a I have a time when I'm going to get up and I'm going to go talk to God and uh and when I talk to God like 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 if I'm late I'll even say hey I'm sorry I'm a few minutes late today and, 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 and when I come to the office, there's a routine that I have when I first get here and I'll pray at home about some things and I'll come here and start my day praying about a certain way here. And, and if you're anything like me, I walk and I pace and I kneel and I get up and I get down and God's okay with all that. But all I'm asking you is write down a time. Have a certain time. Have a place where you're gonna get with God. Number two is this. Have a prayer, here it is, a prayer spot. What am I saying? Have a prayer place, a place for you and God to meet. Whether you kneel there, whether you sit there, whether you walk there, whether it's in your office, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your prayer closet, whether you have a war room. How many have ever seen the movie War Room? If you have a room where you take care of business, I mean, Jesus talked about a prayer closet. You don't have to have a prayer closet, but, but, but I have friends that have a, a real prayer closet. You know, they go in there, and I, Dina could never do that because she has too many shoes, and so it wouldn't work. But, but, but you could go, you know, just a certain place. Someone says, well, will that actually make a difference? Absolutely, Mark chapter one and verse 35. said, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out into an isolated place To pray sometime, a certain place, and a certain time, and now a certain place. You have a a prayer time, and now you have a prayer spot. You have an appointment with God, and now you have a location. And I'm telling you, look, I just dare you to try this, and you'll be overwhelmed when you get there and you make an appointment with God. And when you get there and, and if prayer's been boring and it seems like God's so far away and it's not effective, I'm telling you, just do this for seven days. A certain time and a certain place and you're gonna be shocked when God shows up. because He's gonna be there. And then here's the last part. And, th- and this is the one that I wanna drill down on. And this is the one that I think is where we get struggle, where we struggle. And this is where I think we find ourselves lacking consistency. This is where we get to the place where, man, all the excuses, well, I've tried that. I tried that. Like I heard the story about a guy, you know, who was, he was late to work for the third time in one week. And when he got there, his boss said, okay. He said, okay, Biff, what's your excuse today? He said, well, I got up on time, sir and I was ready ready for work on time, and I went out to go start my car, and the battery was a bit down, and I couldn't start the car. So I, I hurried back in, I woke up my wife, and she got ready in 10 minutes, and she drove me in her car, and we're driving and as we're driving, my car gets, her car gets a flat tire. But there was a good Samaritan on the side of the road. He lent me his bike, and I rode the bike 12 miles to work. And then a mile before I got there, there was a flat tire on the bike. And then I hitched a ride, and I'm sorry, and I'm, I'm an hour late, sir, but that was my morning. And he said, son, you're going to have to do a whole lot better than that. No woman can get ready in 10 minutes. And uh, just kidding. But we all have excuses. That was way better than you laughed, I know that. I thought that was good. Uh, you notice I do all these women jokes, Dina's not here today. Uh, <laughs> I know how this works. Um, but, but this is the third part. We have a certain, we make an appointment with God. And then we make, we have a per spot, a location. And this is where we struggle. And I think this, is, I wanna drill down into this point, point here is develop a prayer plan. Develop a prayer plan. Like if I, if I had a meeting with you at a certain time, in a certain location, I would prepare ahead of time for what my meeting is going to be about. If I didn't know you very well, my, my assistant and, and myself, we would, I, I would find out some information about you. I would know who you are before you came in. If you were going to come in and talk to me about a certain subject, a family issue, and, and I had a little heads up on it, I would prepare myself. I wouldn't go into a meeting without a plan. I would have a plan, and I would know what we're going to talk about. And I would be ready on my end. And I think sometimes we go into prayer, and there is a relationship component to prayer that I could talk about another time, but if we would go in with an appointment, and then we have a place we're gonna meet, and then when God shows up, this is my plan. I'm gonna put together a plan. And so Jesus gave us this example. When they said, Lord, teach us to pray, he responded to them with the Lord's prayer. And what we've done with the Lord's Prayer in the modern day church is we've turned it into a prayer that you memorize. And honestly, if you pray that prayer and memorize it, it's only a 21 second prayer. But when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, it was never designed uh, to have us memorize it and just recite it. it. He said, when you pray, Pray like this, this is an example to prayer. In other words, I'm gonna give you a plan on how to be effective. And In Luke chapter 11 and verse two, he said to them, when you pray, pray like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Come to him with worship. Then he said, pray this way. Your kingdom come. Lord, what's going on in your kingdom? Let's pray about what's important to you. Give us each day our daily bread. Lord, meet our needs. This is what's going on in my family and my life. And forgive us our sins, for, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. In other words, hey, man, let's get some relationships right between me and you and the people in my life. And then lastly, lead us not into temptation. In other words, do some spiritual warfare. In other words, you have to figure out, like, what is your plan, your own plan? What does it look like? What does the plan look like? like? I have a plan. I have a journal. When I go into my prayer, I go in at a certain time. I make an appointment with God. It's a standing appointment. And then I go into a certain place. I have a prayer chair in my home that I use. And it's a chair that I'll pray in. The kids know I'm gonna pray in it. Sometimes I sit in it. Sometimes I kneel in it. Sometimes I fall asleep in it when I'm praying. But I, I, I'm gonna be there every morning. But then I go with this journal. And I open up this journal And when I pray, and I have a plan, and it's a pretty detailed plan, and it's a long plan, and and I'll be honest with you, I don't get to every part of the plan every day. But in that plan, you're gonna see me, I'm gonna have me praying for our nation, I'm gonna have our our president, our congressmen, our senators. I'm gonna have our Governor, I'm gonna have our local and and city officials, I have them all written out and then I'm gonna pray over over this Church and I'm gonna pray over our staff. I have all their names written out and I have their kids names written out and then I I pray over our overseers and I pray over our board members. I pray over our elders I have their names and their kids and now I have great grandkids and some of them have great great grandkids and uh, pray over them. Them and I don't get to everyone every single day. And then I take over pray over my family and I list my family out. I have every name, and sometimes I have a note beside it, what they're going through, like my daughter moving to college last year. I prayed over that every single day, and I prayed for my grieving heart as well. And um and and then I'm gonna go down and I'm gonna pray for, for my needs and what's going on in my life, and then I'm and then I pray over this church, and I pray over you, some of you individually, and so I pray over it corporately, and I make a confession and a declaration over and i keep going down that list and i don't always get to everything on the list and that's okay but i have a plan and you know what i pray for my certain amount of time and what i'm finding out is is there's never enough time to get what i got to get what i want to get to instead of i used to go in there like this i'm going to pray today god and um man i hope it works out and if i wake up i'm going to do it and I might pray and I might pray in bed and I might pray and shower and I might pray when I go to work. This is depending upon what's convenient for me. And then I would just pray whatever come to my mind and, and I struggled. I was inconsistent. I knew prayer worked like all of us. I knew it was effective. I knew it produced results. But I struggled. This is what I did to get consistency in my life today where God shows up every single day. And so what does a plan look like? So I want to wrap it up in the next nine and a half, 12 minutes I have with you on what a prayer plan would look like. Like Make this meaningful. Here's what I'm saying. If your prayer plan is meaningful to you, it'll be meaningful to God. If you put together a plan, and I'm telling you, dramatically would change your prayer life, that you'd make a decision that I'm going to pray before like I'm not gonna pray last I'm gonna pray first and in fact we have some keychains out there and they're gonna be out in the information booth today and we've given them out before we have a bunch out there and everybody could have one and it just is a little key you know those little keychains they put on you if you want to do a a a loyalty program at like Winn-Dixie or at at your gym or something we have one that says East Coast Believers pray first and it's just to remind you when you pick up your keys I'm gonna pray first and so what I'm asking you to do is consider this I'm going to pray before I go to my meeting. I have a meeting? Okay, give me 1 minute, I'm going to pray. I have an important phone call? I'm not going to pray after, I'm going to pray first. I have a doctor's appointment? I'm going to pray first. I have I have my kids are going to school. We're not going to pray after school, we're going to pray before they go to school. We're going to pray at, not at the end of the day, but at the beginning of the day. We're going to pray first. We have an important day. We're not going to wait to pray after, we're going to pray first. If you want to change and you want to get some different results in your life, pray first. I love this verse, Psalm 121 says this, and I look up to the mountains, and the mountains are always in, in, the, in the Old Testament, it signifies, New Testament, it signifies problems. In the Old Testament, it signifies places of authority. they always build the government on a mountain. He said, I don't look up to the government. We could say it like this. I look to Washington, D.C. Does my help come from there? I, I, I don't look to government for help. He said, my help doesn't come from there. Here it is. But my help comes from the Lord who made heaven, that's where my help comes from. Not not from government, not from education. My help comes from the Lord. And so here, let me give you a prayer plan. And I wrote down five things just to help you, uh, an outline for a prayer plan that you could put together. And if you would put these together in your life, it would be a start. And I would encourage you to develop it a little bit beyond that. And even say, okay, I'm not just going to take this prayer plan, but I'm going to make it real specific to my life. But there's five specific things that the Bible says to pray for. This would be simple. If you have a Bible program, type in the word pray. And you could get out probably somewhere around 640 scriptures are going to have prayer in it. And, and just go through those, and you can see what it says to pray for. Number one, pray for our, here it is, pray for our nation pray for our nation. Like let, come on guys, our nation is in peril. Our nation is polarized, our nation is divided. And I would encourage you like get involved, get involved in elections, serve, you know, vote, vote according to not personality but vote according to biblical principles in there. I am not discounting all that. But what I do know is this the answer to our nation's problems is not the Republican Party, not the Democratic Party, it's not another politician. We've been trying that. Here it is. My help, put it up. My help comes from the Lord. Like that's what we got. We've got to get God involved in our nation. And He, He challenged us. He said, "If, if my people, come on, I would be happy if we never had another election a day in our lives again." I mean, how many robocalls can they give you? You know, and so, so, so what do we do with this? Pray for our nation. Timothy said this. Paul wrote Timothy and said, therefore I exhort you, first of all, like this is why I put this first on the list. First of all, like the first thing you can do is pray. Supplications, prayers, and intercessions, a given of thanks be made for all men. And then he sort of breaks it down. Who, who is that? For kings? For presidents? For governors? For mayors? For congressmen, for senate, for school principals, for teachers, all who are in uh, authority, police captains, sheriffs, all that are in authority. Why? Here's the reason why. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. The next verse says, for who wills all men to be saved? And so what is he saying there? First thing on your prayer list is pray for the city and the state and the nation you live in. Number two is pray, have a plan to pray for my, pray for my family. This is your, your kids, your spouse, your siblings, your parents, and, and let, let, let me just, because I know that you, I know over the years I've figured this out, I can't hardly believe it, but I, I, people think that we have a perfect family. And we don't have a perfect family. I'm just gonna be honest with you. My kids don't walk around the house carrying Bibles. They don't have different translations in their Bibles. They have one Bible, and uh, they don't mem- they don't have the Bible any more <laughs> memorized than than you do. And I'll be honest with you: like we try to do devotions every year, and uh, we, we try to do them once a week, and um, and um, on Monday nights. And the older kids would just complain and gripe, and the little ones they just can't wait to do it because they want to speak, and everyone has to listen to them. And um, and so we we've tried this devotion thing, and uh, we just have never gotten any traction in our life. And all the years, we've been trying it for 20 years and we hardly get any traction with it. And so I'm sorry to disappoint you, don't leave our church because your pastor's family doesn't do devotions every day. But, even though we don't get that right, I'll tell you something we have gotten right, is prayer as a family. We, found, we figured out that we can't go without prayer. And so every morning we're gonna pray together. Every night, we're gonna to pray together. Before we go on a trip, we're gonna to pray together. And so you ever going on a trip with me, anyone who travels with me, when we pull out of the driveway, we say, okay, we're gonna pray now. And we all just pray, and, and uh, this last summer, we were uh, pulling out of the driveway, and it was early in the morning, I mean, we were going on vacation, and it was probably like five in the morning, and, and we got down the street out of our neighborhood, I thought all the kids were asleep, and our little one goes, gonna pray? Like they're counting on that, you know what I mean. They're counting on that, and when we pray at night, we just pray. We always end the prayer with, "Lord, I just invite Your presence to come into our house." And and so my little Olivia, she said to me about probably a couple of years ago, "What does that mean? You invite His presence?" Like I could see her mind kind of going, "Like what does that mean?" And and so I explained to her, "It's just that." that the presence of God and God would show up and he would be there. So if you had a bad dream and, you know, God would be there and all this. So I was praying with her just even a couple weeks ago and I just kind of got in a hurry, and blah, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. And I'm walking out. She ah, you forgot to pray about his presence being here. I'll walk back in there and say, okay, well, we invite your presence into our home tonight and just have your, and just, my point is, is your kids are counting on it. Nehemiah chapter four, verse 14 says this. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. And notice this, he didn't say fight with, he said fight for. Fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your homes. Like do this on your knees. Like do this talking to God. It'll make the biggest difference in your home. I'm just giving you a plan. And you know, I don't do a whole lot of counseling anymore as much in at marriage counseling in particular, mainly because it's hard i don't like it and I uh, have a great staff and pastor Gwen and Karen actually they're in pray for them they're in guatemala right now he's preaching in a church probably right as i'm preaching right now down there and um they're down there teaching in our bible school and but you know what i've done and when i get real difficult situations and really hard and maybe i've done this with you before is you'll come in my office and and i have a couple ground rules for counseling and one is no yelling one is you, you can't over talk each other and so you have to actually listen to the other person talk and that usually solves a lot of the issues right there. And, um, and then lastly, if it gets too difficult, I'll say, okay, we're gonna pray. And then I always throw this little in. I said okay, little thing in. I'm not gonna pray. And they look at me, what? I said I'm gonna have you pray. And then heads go down. And I say, I don't want you to pray for your spouse. And I don't mean pray Lord let fire fall from heaven. <laughs> Consume the sacrifice. No declarations, Job's boils, like none of that sort of thing going on. You know, none of that sort of thing. I want you to pray for them. And I want it to be a heartfelt prayer. My most amazing thing happens is when they start praying for them. And out of their heart, they start fighting for their spouse. Not with them, but for them on their knees. One of the most amazing transformations of an atmosphere changes, and I have not once or twice, but many times over the 25 years I've been doing this, that people say, "We never mind. We're done. We got what we're looking for right there." It softens hearts. Come on, fight, not with, before your family. Number three is this: I'm just giving you a prayer plan. Three, five things the Bible said to pray for for sure is pray for your, and this is in there. Pray for your pastor and pray for your church. Like I'm, I'm counting on it. This church is counting on it. We could never do what we do without your prayers. This is so important to me. One of the first things we instituted in this church was I have a prayer group and they pray for me and they, they meet and they'll pray, you know, for an hour and they'll just, they will have my schedule and they'll have what's going on in my, with my kids' lives and I open it all up to them. I say, we're struggling with this area, struggling in this area, I need some wisdom in this area, I need some help in this, and they know it all and they, they get to see what's going on. Dean is traveling, I'm traveling, need protection, got some issues with staff issues over here and they just get to pray over all of it. Someone says, well, I thought you just handle all your own prayer. I thought you were going to pray for me, not me pray for you. But here's what, it's, here's what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. He said, and pray for me too. He said, I'm going to pray for you, but pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can, here it is, boldly. Boldly explain God's mysterious plan That the good news is for all, for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. And he said this, and I'm, like, this is a tough job. I'm in chains now. And I'm still preaching this message as God's ambassadors. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Can I get an amen? Number four, here it is. Pray for those who are far from God. This is a prayer plan to pray for the lost. Like, what is God Interested in? I mean, can you imagine? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because they might be here. But do you have any friends that you have a conversation with them and all they talk about is their stuff? Don't raise your hand. Let's see some heads shaking. But you you know who that friend is. You right away their their face has popped up in your mind. You you talk with them and they don't ever want to talk about your stuff. They just want to talk about their stuff. And what, like, what does God care about? What is God interested in? And I want to let you know what it is. God is interested in those that are far from him. God's interested in the lost. And when's the last time that you've ever prayed for someone far from God? For someone who needs God in their life? Matthew 9, here's this, you, you know this story. Matthew 9 and verse 36, it says this, when he saw the crowds talking about Jesus, he had compassion on them, Um, Because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the harvest. Like what is on his mind is those that are helpless and confused. The lost. That's what God's thinking about. You might not be thinking about it, but he's thinking about it. We sing that song, Reckless Love, that God's distracted by that which is lost. God's distracted, let me, let me let you know this God's distracted by who's not here today. He, he loves who's here, but he's thinking about the one who's not here. That's what's on his mind. And if you have kids, you know this, if you've lost a kid before, I remember when when we were first, our oldest now, when she was two years old, we were, I was preaching in a Bible school in Longmont, Colorado, and um, about 20 miles north, 20 minutes north of there, there's a town called Fort Collins, Colorado, and there was a big mall up there, so we had an evening free, and we were there in Longmont for a week, and so uh, Dean and I and little Natalie, we went up to the, just for something to do, went shopping. Up there's our first child, you know, and you know how the progression goes, you know, from your first, now we have five, and so we lose one now, no big deal. 80% success rate's pretty good. Um, uh, you know, but, but 20% failure rate, we're hanging in there. But, but when you only have one, it's your first one, you're like, so we went to Kohl's, never forget it, Kohl's, and we were in there, and Dina's shopping, and I'm shopping, and she says, hey, you got Natalie? I said, no, I thought you had her. She goes, no, I thought you had her. And, and man, parents panic when you lose a child in a department store in a city that you don't live in especially if it's we're panicked and 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 I want you to know I I I'm not one to draw attention to myself in public but I'm screaming Natalie I'm screaming her name Natalie and I said to Dina you go look I'm going to the front door and I'm not letting any this is this is the true story no no one's coming in and no one's coming out of this store like I'm going to I'm at a major department store and I think I'm going to take it over because my daughter's lost and we're looking and we're looking 10 minutes later i'm at the front door and i'm just making sure no one's walking out with a kid that's not theirs and lo and behold dina comes walking up with little natalie she hid in one of those circular little clothing things that, you know he's playing hide and seek with us but let me just tell you this i was distracted by what was lost I wasn't at the time, I wasn't walking to the front and going, oh, look at that Look at that shirt that's on sale over here. That would look good on me. Or look at this, kid. no, oh, I'm distracted by that which is lost. And I want you to know that God is distracted by that which is lost. If you want to have a meaningful prayer plan, you've got to include that. He said, pray that God would send laborers. Years ago, uh, uh, probably in '98, maybe 2000. I was in Ukraine, and um, and back then, so maybe a little earlier, maybe '96. And I was in Ukraine and and preaching at a Bible school over there. And and Dina, we, we lived in Europe at the time, so it was, was it was '96. And so and so uh, uh, Dina was in Heidelberg. We had a Bible school there, and she stayed behind. And I went over there for three days to the Ukraine to go minister and and. Uh, I didn't want to be there. It was February, it was cold. There was no hot water in the apartment I was staying in. And it was below zero, it was just an awful, awful time. There was hardly any food there to eat. And I was just tired, didn't want to be there. And when I was leaving, I was frustrated and I was aggravated and irritated about having to be there and I said to my my host, I said listen, I'm flying out of here, it's Valentine's Day. I remember it, it was Valentine's Day and I'm flying from Ukraine into Heidelberg and I'm gonna meet Dina. We've only been married for a little over a year and so we're gonna celebrate Valentine's Day in Heidelberg, in Frankfurt rather, and and, and have a date. And so I said to my host, I said listen, it's really important I don't miss that flight because there's only one flight going out per day back then. And so he said, he said, okay, no problem. And so at the end of the, this week, I'm there. I'm, I'm praying for students. And I'm laying hands on them because they're going to go in the ministry. And, and I'm actually sort of very aggravated because I don't, the line's really long and I'm just praying, Jesus' name, looking at my clock, Jesus' name. And so, look, Jesus' name. And so like, g- g- hurry, 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 hurry. Because eh, eh, I want to miss my flight because I didn't want to be there. And I'll never forget when I'm walking to, my, to the van, where my host is taking me to the airport, an older gentleman, probably in his 80s, comes walking out. and he goes, sir, sir, sir. I said, yeah, what is it? He said, i got to talk to you. And I said, I really don't have time to talk to you. i got to go. And my host said, let him talk to you. I said, okay. He said, thank you for coming. I said, oh, I'm so glad to come. God bless you. Have a good day. And uh, I'm, I want to get to the air flight, catch my flight. He said, sir, he goes, our nation was once a great nation before the communists came and took God out of our nation. He goes, this wasn't the nation that I was born into, what you see now. This is a great nation. But communism took God out and robbed everything. He said, thank you for coming. He said, I've been praying for you that you would come my whole life. he said what you shared today I asked God when I was a young man I said God what about this And all these years I've been waiting for an answer because you were the answer Now all of a sudden you don't care about your flight and, and all that you just want to hop out and say okay I'll stay for another week what I'm saying is is God said pray the Lord of the harvest he said for laborers like you're You're a laborer. That God would send someone. Let me wrap it up with this because this is important. The fifth thing on our list is pray for my needs. We have needs, like big and small. It's not, nothing's wrong. Like, if you have a headache, all I'm saying is, man, take a Tylenol, it's fine, but pray first. Big needs, small needs. If you have a meeting, like prepare for it, but pray first. Kids go to school, like, like, yeah, take care of all the natural stuff, but pray first, big or small. And here's the promise: like, put your needs on there. I have a list of things that are important to me and my life and my family, and I write them down. And, 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 and some of you I'm close friends with, you give bigger needs. I actually write them, put them in my journal, and pray over them. And here's the promise that God give us: He said, Do not be anxious about anything, Philippians and everything by prayer. I think we all buy into that. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And here's, here's the promise and here's the declaration. But if you'll do this and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? What a promise that could be that if, if I would just pray that man, it might not be working out the way I think it's going to work out but God's peace will come on me. Amen? Thank you for listening to the East Coast Believers Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more info about this podcast or other resources, visit eastcoastbelievers.org.